Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. This podcast is brought to you by Live Casino. We thank them as always. Folks, it's all going down at the FanDuel Sportsbook and Lounge at Live Casino, where you can get in on all the action this football season. Bet on your teams with a sportsbook rep or at our self-service kiosks, and then jump into the stadium on our giant 40-foot video wall. How's that for a touchdown? Join your friends at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Bet, watch, and win. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And as as is the case, my Wednesday podcast is always kind of up in the air. What are we going to chat about? We're not going to talk about the, the game that happened. A little early to talk about the game that's coming. So I wanted to touch on Steelers' run game as a whole, big picture. Is this sustainable? And I don't mean that... Can you beat the Browns with the run game? I mean, by the way, that's a good matchup for the run game. Or can you go to KC in the first round or Buffalo or whatever in the first round and win with the one run game? I'm talking next year. You know, can this be a foundational element of the Steelers franchise? And let's start with the ball carriers. So I've been a little hard on the ball carriers for one reason in that this league is very much about explosive plays. And I don't think Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are ever going to break long runs with any consistency. You know, they're not going to run away from people. And that makes it tough. I mean, four yards of carries tough when you get a holding penalty or whatever. You know, I mean, it's just the world in the NFL revolves around explosive plays. And I don't know that the Steelers are set up big picture to generate explosive plays in the run game. And I don't mean 80-yard runs. I'm talking 15-yard runs, 10-yard runs with a little more consistency than they have so far. But it's very sustainable in terms of bludgeoning opponents if your defense keeps you in games and you don't do things like throw three picks or whatever. So let's talk about Harris. I think he's clearly coming off his best game of the year. He seems to be getting better every week. I absolutely believe that the foot was a bigger deal for the first half of the season than any of us expected, and that he was running tentatively and didn't trust himself. I mean, you got to remember, this is a five-star stud recruit that I don't want to say things have come easy to because he's like the hardest working guy in the league, or on the team, but... You know, he's always been able to trust his athletic arrogance is, I guess, a way to put it. And when that fails you for some of these guys that have not had to overcome a lot of these type of things, it can be tough. You know, like I used to be able to do this and now I'm, you know, my mind is writing checks that my foot can't cash right now, you know, and that's got to be tough and you lose some confidence and the blocking wasn't as good either and all those things. But he was a lot easier to get on the ground early in the season where now he's fallen forward time and time again. He's looking for contact. He is nasty. He's bringing his lower body more. Um, He's showing better feet in general, lighter feet, more agility, left-right agility, as as well as burst through the hole, more decisiveness. He's starting to feel himself, and I think that's really encouraging. I really like the splits that they, they shoot for, which to me, Snap counts and usage really tells us is two to one ratio in Najee's favor over Warren. Um, Warren is the third down back, though. I mean, he played every third down this past week except for one. And I get that. Um, I think he's a real find. I, you know, that 
just watching him the first couple practices, seeing him live at camp was like, oh, he's making the team. Oh, he's going to be the two. You know, like that was a foregone conclusion very early in my assessment of him live in a Steeler uniform. And he's lived up to that in a big way. He too is difficult to get on the ground. I like that he's not a carbon copy of Najee. You know, I mean, he's a compliment, but he's not so far different. You know, he's not a 190 pound scat back type guy, you know, Darren Sproles type guy. I mean, he can carry the load if needed, if, if Harris went down. I think both of them can do everything well enough, whether that's third down duty, short yardage, need them to carry it 20 times in week 12 next year. They can both handle those type of things, but they're different. Um, I don't know if he has a better burst than Harris. Maybe, maybe. And some of it's because of their body types. He's so low. He looks like he gets shot out of the cannon a little bit more than the longer strider Harris. But I think both those guys are really good in protection. That was a shock to me, Warren, just how good he is and how much he loves it and how nasty he is in protection. Najee was not a great protection player coming out of Alabama. He wasn't bad, but he used to dip his head a little bit. And um, they use him as a receiver a lot, which I'll get to. Um, But he's improved drastically since being in the league and and is a big-bodied guy that can even take on defensive ends if needed and those type of things. I would like to see both players used more as pass catchers. We saw a slight example of what I've been saying over and over with Najee in that touchdown catch of just his ball skills are phenomenal. He has super long arms. He has soft hands. You don't see a lot of backs, especially ones his size, catching the ball two, three feet over their head, you know, or away from their body. He has all those traits. Um, They don't use them enough as a true route runner to still say this, but I've seen it in practice that he's a pretty darn good route runner for a back his size. You can detach him. Told you this many times. I mean, they'll throw him fade routes in practice down by the end zone like he's Larry Fitzgerald, you know, and he goes up and plucks it over defensive backs heads, let alone linebackers. So that bothers me Uh, way too many of his catches. And a lot of this is last year was just the Ben dump off, you know, that any, any running back could make. Um, I, I don't know as as well what Warren is as a pass route runner, but you saw in camp a lot, they would run wheel routes with him down the sideline, pretty deep downfield. I mean, you got him locked on a linebacker coming out of the backfield, right down the sideline, you know, throw him deep balls and he'd go up and get it. Like he's not going to pluck it over guys' heads like Harris will, you know, they're just different dimensions. But he runs well, and I don't see any problem with hands, ball skills, any of that stuff. Um, again, we're talking big picture here. I think you guys know this by now, but Benny Snell is a big-time special teamer, and he's cheap, so there's value there. He got a little bit of a shot this past year, or this past – he got a couple weeks ago. We all saw that, and he ran fine. Um, I think he's just a just a guy, though, as a ball carrier, I mean, and – He'll obviously be in camp. He'll have a sh- chance to make the team. But I mentioned Sproles. Like, maybe that's not the best example. Maybe Percy Harvin Debo Samuel type. You know, a receiver that can line up in the backfield. And everyone's looking for that now that Debo's so it's such a hot name. That is a bigger bodied receiver that can take a little bit of punishment. Maybe give you four carries a week. And plus the jet sweep stuff here and there or jet motion. And also has slot receiver capabilities. Like those guys don't grow on trees. I mean, but you remember Percy Harvin with the Vikings. If you could add one more explosive 
offensive weapon, we'll call him. And sometimes out of the backfield, I think that would be something I would look into. But it's not a must. It's not a must. Um, Take a quick break here. And I got a couple other little nuggets here written down about the Steeler run game as a whole going forward. So, as we sit here on January 3rd, I'm recording this. We don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be. I still feel pretty strongly that it will be somebody new. But I would not alter the run scheme all that much. I mean, I would still do a lot of doubles, getting to the second level, a lot of outside zone. Those things take time to develop, and they've developed. So, don't scrap them for next year. Build on them, no matter who the offensive coordinator is. So, in terms of whoever's in charge of this offense, I would make it, I would kind of mandate it from Tomlin that, hey, feel free to add wrinkles. But the foundation of the run game, and I'm not saying this about the pass game, the foundation of the pass game needs blown up and thrown apart. But the foundation of the run game is going to stay in place. So if you want the job, that's part of the parameters. Um, please expand on it all you want, but we have a good thing going here. Let's not mess with it. In a way, that same is true with the offensive line, too. These five same starters will be back next year and will be in the mix no matter what for starting jobs. Even if their first-round pick's a left tackle, doesn't mean that left tackle will beat out Dan Moore. Probably would. Who knows? But I am very cool with this five. Now, I think I've told you this before. That doesn't mean I'm saying don't draft offensive linemen. There's not a need here. That's not what I'm saying. I, I think this five is a middle-of-the-road offensive line that keeps getting better, that has no chance to be a top-eight offensive line. I'm not saying that. They're just not talented enough. There's not enough pedigree there. They've been extremely fortunate in staying healthy all year. That's not going to keep up. So these five don't worry me. It's the other five in the room that we haven't seen that worries me. So if Moore or Cole can turn into my six and seven in a perfect world, now I'm living well because I can afford an injury or two at any position and still plug someone in that I like. Um, but I would go more draft than free agency in terms of adding other linemen. Seems like kind of weak analysis by me, but I don't think we know besides Hassenhauer. I mean, Liglu and some of those guys we've seen a fair amount of last year, who some of those dudes are, you know, Scott and guys like that. My hunch is I just don't want to trust them. Bring those type of guys to camp. If they continue to impress, maybe they give you a roster spot. But all in all, I'm cool with the O-line. Um, but I think in a perfect world, you add two fourth-rounder higher O-linemen. And that could even be your first pick and second pick. I mean, I'm just saying dudes that can play. I also hesitate to even bring him up, but is Kendrick Green a lost cause? I haven't brought his name up in forever, and I just was I brought him up yesterday because he was the Ricard guy. Um, who knows? I mean, I'm not counting on him, but I'm bringing him to camp, and maybe he's a new guy, but who knows? So O-line needs to be addressed, but I don't think they absolutely have to have a different starting left tackle or center or any of those positions. That would be wonderful, somewhat of a luxury, but possible considering where they're at. 
So more people block in the run game than the five big big dudes. And they've gotten very good production from their peripheral blockers. Deontay's never going to be that guy. AB was never that guy, but he's never going to, he's always going to be in the field. Pickens seems to relish in it, which is fun. And I think he always will. That's tremendous. He should never really leave the field. Fryer Moose getting better. Um, he's never going to be a trained killer. He's never going to be, you know, Mark Bruner, but he's getting better and I'm fine with it because of everything else he brings to the table. Now, that leaves one guy, basically. You have a ball, there's only five skill players. You have a, a ball carrier, Harris or Warren, Fryer Moose, Johnson, and Pickens are the guys that are going to be the bulk of your offense. That leaves one player left. And they've gotten very good run-blocking production from Watt, Gentry, Hayward, Gunner, Boykin. Not so much Sims, but he's got a little bit more juice than those other dudes, so he has a role here as well. And I'm fine with that. Um, I have said lately that I'm souring on Gentry's run-blocking because I don't think he's Mark Bruner, but everyone out there seems to think he is. I think Mark Bruner is a good run-blocker from what I remember. A little young. Um does Watt have to have a role? Maybe because he's such a good special teamer, but he's never going to be more than a five snap a guy, a game guy. I think you guys know I'm very excited about Hayward. Different type of blocker. Obviously, he's kind of a low to high hitter type guy because of his body type, but he's good at it. So I think he's absolutely a keeper. I'm intrigued with Boykin. I've kind of seen enough of Gunner, but they've helped in that way. But where I'm going with this is. What I want is on most snaps when everybody's healthy, which is easier said than done in this league, I really want that fifth skill guy to be either that Debo type that I talked about. Sure, who wouldn't? You know, a, a do-it-all, ball carrier, bulky slot dude, or a slot receiver that's 5'9", 190 pounds, that runs a 4'3", <laughs> and can get downfield and can make catches and if he doesn't block in the run game, so be it. And maybe that's Calvin Austin. I can't put every chip in that basket just assuming it's going to be Austin. Um, I would, I, I wouldn't. When free agency's all settled, it wouldn't blow me away if a day two pick goes to that type of receiver I just mentioned. And I know you guys are all saying, but they need a D tackle and a linebacker and a line, and they do. I mean, but they will fill needs in free agency, and some of these holes will be filled by the time day two rolls around, including a first-round pick. And they've done well on day two receivers. So I'm guessing that fifth-skill guy going into next year will not be as good a run blocker as they are now. But they'll be a lot more explosive, and they'll make a lot more plays. And that brings us to this offense, more than anything, has to generate more explosives. And... It's starting to happen already, of course, but it'll really happen early, early, early next year where you're going to have to get people out of the box. You know, you're going to see heavy fronts until you can show you can win over the top. Now, play action would sure be nice with that. I mean, if you listen to my uh, podcast after the game, one of my biggest con concerns, gripes, you know, criticisms, why aren't they using more play action? They should be not last in the league. They should be 10th in the league in play action, especially as well as they're running it now. And I've told you, you don't have to run the ball super well for play action to work. But the fact that no one's expecting it and you're running it down their throats, why aren't you using play action to create big plays down the field? That's more Canada problems. 
Um, but I also think a second year quarterback and he's progressing quickly also will help the run game. Um, not because he's a good runner, but that's part of it. But hopefully he's more play action ready. Hopefully, and I think he'll be there at this point, he'll be better at the line of scrimmage. Oh, I got to check out of this run play. This thing's destined to die. I mean, there's no chance of me gaining yardage here. I'm going to check to a pass or a slant or hot route or whatever. Or the opposite. Boy, they're really playing off the line of scrimmage. I'm checking to a run. Things like that. The mental stuff of controlling things at the line of scrimmage should help the run game going forward too. So you can't overlook those things. So big picture. I mean, all these things I'm asking for, coordinator, Moro line help, another receiver that brings explosiveness, preferably out of the slot, are all very, very attainable. And they already have a lot in place with this run game, which folks, I know people are critical of the Steelers, especially early in the year, but this has been the plan all along is if we can get this ground game going while our quarterback projects, you know, or, you know, improves and learns with a decent defense that's, they know is aging, you know, that, that maybe a year from now, it's the offense that's carrying the defense because your quarterback has a run game to lean on and has more knowledge of the game and has one more explosive playmaker. So this is how you build an offense. You know, the, the roots are there and the trees starting to sprout. So it's encouraging. And again, this was their plan all along. So that's a wrap. I will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.